T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome back to Fanbase, a deep dive into the greatest rivalry in sports. Brian Shackman here, along with John Senecal, I represent. Um, I always feel so bad about covering up my good hair at the end of the day, but I'm the Red Sox. He's obviously the Yankees. I call this is him. Not, yeah, you got this is salad. not good. This is bad news right there. Bad news like what the Yankees are about to get into. Some bad news. So I look at games five, six, and seven as the rest because in when we started talking about this, I went back and thought about the 2004 ALCS. And I I forgot when the slap of Arroyo's glove was. I forgot that it was in the ALCS. I even forgot that the bloody stock was in the five, so six, seven. But so I mean, so all, much. After game four, I literally don't have any memory other than maybe the, what happened in game seven because it was so surprising and decisive. But so that's so why I call the rest because games five, six, and seven, they're almost kind of forgotten for me after game four. I don't really, I mean, you look at it differently. You remember these moments. Well, I mean, game four was so big for you guys. I mean, how could it not? I mean, that turns the tide, but I mean, and you come into game five and you have like this insane 14 inning game. It's almost six hours long. Can you imagine sitting at a game for that long? I, I can't. In fact, it was the longest postseason game in history. Now that only lasted a year and it's been broken a couple of times. You know, the games are brutal now anyway, but it was like 10 minutes, 11 minutes shy of six hours. It took 14 innings. And when you go back and you read about this game though, you forget how the Red Sox could have easily lost this one too. Oh, absolutely. And then Pedro and, and, and Messina are squaring up again too, which is great. You know, two of the best pitchers in baseball at the time. It's awesome. Yeah, you, but you had a situation where uh, the game time was just after 5 p.m. and it was directly after game four. So there were, I think, less than like, right around 16 hours between games. So if they got a post-game meal, went to bed for six, seven hours, they basically had no time between games. And, uh, you know, I think Poppy came up big out of the gate to give them a lead. I didn't realize Bernie had a couple important solo home runs in this series, too. He made a two to one. And then 
Jeter knocks in three to make it four to two. And there you go. It's game five. Yankees leading by two runs. And and this is what I wanted to disagree with, sort of like you said, it was such an electric atmosphere. I wasn't at that game, but I, I, I was just even though inspiring as inspiring as game four was, I wasn't thinking the Sox were going to win the series. I, I still didn't think they were going to. I don't think you can either. I mean, you know, you, it's a huge win, but you're still you're still down. And Yankees still have home field advantage. But when I watch this game back, I mean, it's unbelievable how much energy there is in in the stands in this game. It is really impressive, and you know, it's like you said, it kind of it it goes in and out, and it's amazing that it goes that long because, like you know, the Yankees are down right away in this game, and uh, Rivera comes in later in the game, and he's not. He has not had a good showing against the Red Sox. I, I noticed they had a stat on him since July 24th of that season. He's 0-2 with a 7.36 ERA, three out of six saves against the Sox. And that's including six games in the postseason. So he, was so he is not having, he's not having a good time against the Red Sox. And obviously it shows in this series, you know. I mean, you know, Ortiz eventually, you know, I mean, he got the good he, he got a good hit against him, but I mean He's showing himself. It's 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 kind of getting rough on him. Yeah, you know, I really start the conversation on this game in that ninth inning because I didn't realize, you know, baseball. We talk about it all the time. It's, remember that scene in um, the Curious Life of Benjamin Button where they do every little sequence before the love of his life, Kate Blanchett, broke her leg, and like there's there's like fifty different things that if they had happened a second <laughs> later earlier. But if you yeah. think about it, if 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 Tony Clark doesn't get the ground rule double. Right. If it's either an it's in the park hit or if either it's an in the park hit or it go, it's a home run. Yep. It's over. Yeah, it's it's, it's amazing. And it's, that's baseball, Susan, you know. <laughs> that's what yeah. that's what John Sterling would say, you know. It's yeah, I, it's, it's it, I don't I I watch that back too and I'm sitting there and I'm like you've got to be kidding me. It's unbelievable, you know. People, people don't and, know and, it's Tony Clark um, I think Ruben Sierra was on base. Clark hits it into the right field corner. That ball is going to bounce and go into the seats for a ground rule double. And that could have taken a run off the board for the Yankees. If Tony Clark hit the ground rule double and yep. he probably would have scored, but because it was a ground rule double, the ball was there two outs. He had to stay at third and yep. he never made it home. And Cairo so winds up popping out and that's it. That's it. And then you go, obviously, we're not going to take you through the 10th, 11th, 12th, and 13th in too much detail, but you come out on the 14th. Damon walks. Uh, Cabrera, who was your, playing great for you, him. actually strikes out. And Manny being Manny, what does he do? He gets a walk. Sets up, you know, who, big Pappy. Ortiz fights it off center field. Damon running to the plate, and he can keep on running to New York. Game six tomorrow night. And it wasn't slappy. He wasn't a big slappy, though. No. It wasn't a big slappy. Well, no, he didn't hit it out. But, I mean, that's the thing is it, it didn't need to. And it wasn't something. It didn't need to. No. And, it, it, listen, the ball fell. The Red, the Red Sox won the game. And, you know, six hours later, we're now talking. You know, they are now in this series. I'm still trying, I'm still trying to think to myself, if I was at that game, how many people probably fell asleep in that game or, you know, passed out? And right. woke up 
And, you know, if it slept through, like, you know, like you said, I'm not going to take you through the 10th, 11th, and 12th. <laughs> take you right to the 14th. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Wake and, me up when it's you, over. Abby's up. Abby's up. Abby's up. <laughs> yeah. I've never totally fallen asleep at the stadium, but I've been sitting next to quite a few people who did. So, I'm going to, like, real quick sidetrack. I was at Jim Abbott's no-hitter at Yankee Stadium against the Cleveland oh. Indians, okay? And I was sitting, like, seven rows behind home plate with, like, my best friend. His dad was some, like, lawyer for GE, and he got really good tickets. And the guy in front of us passed out drunk in the third inning, right? Early. And woke up. His buddy, one of these, Gaywood, and he jumped up in the ninth inning when Carlos Baerga, I think it was Carlos Baerga, grounded out. I could be wrong, but I'm... And all of a sudden, he jumps up. He's like, ah! like he sees he see the whole thing, man. And my buddy and I still talk about this to this day. It's, it's, awesome. it, was, it was one of the funniest things, you know. And I wasn't that old. I was like, I was, uh, what was it? I was a freshman in college. So that was a, a summer of my freshman year. So you know, I went down there. I mean, I don't know. It, it was, it was, it was great. It was awesome. Um, you, we we all had a few friends in college who passed out, but then if you rallied them, they, they would they would rally with strength. Now. Going into game six, which is back in New York, obviously, uh, you have a situation where it's 3-2. And I didn't know this, that no, and people need to really focus on In baseball, in the world, no one had ever been down 3-0 and even forced a game seven. So this, right. no, one had, no one had won this game six in the Red Sox situation before. So huge, before even, huge game. Huge game. So this is the Bloody Sox game, right? This is John Lever against Kurt Schilling. Uh, supposedly in the ALDS, Schilling hurt his ankle. I don't really know. Was, uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. It was a ruptured sheath around the peroneal right tendon, tendon, right ankle. Right. I, I'm not. I'm not a. I'm not a. Uh, I had surgeon. written down torn tendon sheath, right ankle. So I think that's got to be right. So they did this. <laughs> the, the doctors for the Sox sutured, did a couple sutures to try Stapled to connect it. Right. They stapled it. Yeah, I don't know what they did. So then the, the blood went through the stock, and it was this whole, like, Schilling's a hero type thing. And I actually want to get into this a little bit because he is a hero. Well, he, he sort of hurt his brand a little bit with his post-playing days, politics, and social media. But he's still a hero in Boston. And, and part of the reason is that he's part of this team, but also Boston loves that, that warrior. And at least the story goes that this happened, and his foot was bloody, and he could hardly walk. And I'm just curious if you think it's all real or if you think there's some myth making here. Because then there's some, some after, after the after the dust. Well, I, I, have, I have been been to the Hall of Fame. I've been to the Hall of Fame, Brian, and I've seen the bloody sock. I cannot attest that it's ketchup or actual blood. I, there's no DNA. I did not take a DNA sample, but I have seen the bloody sock at the Hall of Fame. So, as far as I know, it actually you did happen. It? You believe it? Absolutely, I believe it. I mean, I mean. Listen, do I believe it was it was stapled and sutured or whatever? I don't know. I mean, it was listen, he had to have been hurt. He's covering first base like three times in this game in the starting in the fourth inning, he covers it twice in a row and he's definitely hobbling, man. He's hurt. He's hurt. I didn't, I didn't really watch blow by blow, but I watched a ton of the game. I don't remember him going over the first three times, but I'll tell you that. That's what I wanted to ask you. Do you think Tory should have bunted some? I mean, you all night on him, I guess, but I, that's that's a hack move. That's like, you know, I mean, come on. It's a, it, you want to win. You want to win, right? That's okay. how you want to get up there and hit. So let's talk about the game because then we're going to talk about one of the maybe the biggest hack moves of all time that actually did happen. <laughs> but we won't get to that yet. Um, you know, I, I didn't realize also in this game, the Sox, the Sox went up, what, like four zip, 
Bellhorn, yep. who was, love him or hate him, um, that home run was controversial too. Do you remember? They were up four nothing until the seventh, until Bernie hits the home run. Like you said before, Bernie has a couple of big solo home runs in this right. series. So then it's so that get, makes the score what? Four, four one. Four and the one. bloody sock has just come out in the sixth inning too. So right. everyone's getting riled up. I could still remember, you know. Can you imagine social media now, Brian, with the bloody sock? Could you imagine oh, it? It would have been a totally different experience. In some ways, I like it better the way it was, though, John, because like we were so clueless and only relied on the announcer. That's it. All you had was that zoomed-in thing yeah, and Joe it. Buck talking about it. We didn't have some some reporter posting something on the internet, and you know, I follow Twitter in game all the time when I watch this stuff now. Some um, some trainer who knows somebody who heard that he might have possibly slipped in the shower. Yeah. Or something. You know what right. I mean? Anything, any sort of conjecture, then they have to comment on it on the air and then it's totally different. But I like it the way it was. But six innings, one run, and he left with it's a lead. Awesome. It was gutty. It was gutsy. And 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 you know what? I Schilling is part of the legend, you know, the whole story about how Theo flew out, I don't know, to Arizona to, you know, convince him to come and all this stuff for the, the deal. And so I mean he's part of the Red Sox lore and he he it's not like he's Parcells the way Parcells is for the Patriots, but like Schilling gave validation. He had won a World Series. He came to win a World Series. He was an original draft yeah. by the Red Sox. I mean, he, I mean, honestly, I think I think Schilling. I mean, if he hadn't been such a postseason, um, post career schlub, I mean, I think he might be a borderline Hall of Famer. I mean, he's, he was a great pitcher. Yeah, he he was really really good. If if he had um, had a few more years at that level. You know, and let's talk about though the Bush League move in this game because it's really of the you know, so people were mad, the fans were mad about the Bellhorn home run because never let a pitcher get you out of way. That's down the left field line, big trouble. Matsui on the run. That ball is off the wall. Matsui, I think at a moment, for a moment, thought it was gone. It looked gone. Matsui reacted like it was gone, but then you know, they had a rule on it. Frank Cohen, originally they called it a double. Oh, it bounced off the guy's chest. I mean, you know. Yeah. But the thing is that, you know, they argued. That's, and they, that's, that's, that's pre replay, pre replay, right. too. Which I'm fine with, but the fans hated it, right? Hated and, it. And, and, and then obviously. But everybody knew it was a home run. I mean, you could tell as soon as they showed the replay, it was instant. I mean, it was well. well you know, close your mind's eye and explain what happened between. A-Rod and Arroyo late in that game. Well, I mean, he hits a little flubber down, you know, and Arroyo goes to tag him, and he does the bitch slap. That's what he does. Off the end of the bat. Arroyo. The ball gets loose. It's down the right field line. Jeter coming all the way around. It's a one-run game. And I, I remember watching that game clear as day saying to myself, you've got to be kidding me. There's no possible way that they're going to let this fly. It was such I a snap. The thing is, it, it was a Bush League move. I didn't know it actually broke a rule, though. Like, I didn't know that. The thing about this, what, what kind of perplexes me about this, is they put Jeter back at first base on this play. Like, why has Jeter got to go back to first base on this play? He's he's on the run while this play is happening. He's clearly not involved in this play, and they put him he back would have at first. He would have advanced anyway. Right. It ruled it wasn't not an at bat, right? That must have been what they ruled. It has to be something with that. Yeah, exactly. But then you have a situation where the fans, I didn't know like the Sox took their players off the field because fans were throwing stuff on throwing the field. Throwing base, throwing everything. Yeah. 
And then uh, there was another play where Orlando Cabrera was safe at first, and they didn't think he was safe. Like there's all for a team that was playing at home, supposedly with the legacy on their side, they didn't get any calls go their way. So then the Red Sox, they become the first team ever to go down three zip to force a game seven. And I mean, and it's and it's I don't know as much as I mean, it's a rod too. Like it's like looking back now, as much as like. I can't stand him. Like, dude, he's such a free pass and it drives me nuts because like in a way that like sets the tone too. It's like, it's like almost such a desperation move. It's like, this is what we need to like, to get by, you know what I mean? And I, and I, I'll go back again to like, I said this in the last, in the last uh, episode is when a rod started with the Yankees in 2004, I never went to any more games. Right. He was a rod. And then he does something like this. And it's like, Oh my God, it just drives me nuts. And now I look back at everything and I'm just like, that's just like, it's, it's so fitting. Right. It's like, I'm know, like, I, I can't stand him. It drives think, me nuts. But I think your point is, is an amazing point because I don't think it's really until then that I felt like, and it, it actually, it sort of um, bears itself out a little bit in game seven, which I'll get to. But I think it was, that was the symbol of the moment when you felt like the Yankees didn't quite believe they could do it. Right, and that, and that maybe the Red Sox were, were that sort of force of destiny, almost because it, it was at that moment where I I turned and I was like, "That is such garbage," and the fact it's that he so had to do it. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a great point, and you know, and it, it bears itself out because you go to do the research on Game Seven, and in the Red Sox locker room, they rewatched the movie Miracle, which tells the story of the Miracle on Ice, nineteen eighty gold medal winning team that in Lake Placid. What did the Yankees sort of counter with? They had Bucky Dent throughout the first pick. And of yeah. course, Bucky represents the 1978 Yankees, and he hit that home run at Fenway Park uh, to knock the Red Sox out of the playoffs, <clears throat> you know, in a horrible collapse for the Red Sox. And so here we are, Yankee Stadium, game seven. And, uh, you know. No bigger yeah. stage, right? It's, right? Again, it was a repeat from 2003, game seven, and Derek Lowe against Kevin Brown. Derek Lowe has pitched great for you guys. Awesome. Two, so days, far. two days, two days rest. Yes. And he's going to pitch great in this game. And what's Derek, uh, what's Kevin Brown going to do? He doesn't get out of the second inning. No, he's going to crap the bed is what he's going to do. And I don't know. You know, there's been rumors about him doing steroids and stuff and all that, you know, and then Clemens had kind of crapped the bed the year before in game seven. You wonder if that kind of stuff catches up to him, you know, as the season goes on and the age, they were older, they were older, but still, you know, Kevin Brown always, you know, he's one of those guys that look like he came jacked all of a sudden. You know what yeah. I mean? He's pitching, he's pitching with forearms like tree trunks. <laughs> and, we, and we hated him. We hated him. I was never a big fan of him. I was never a big fan of him. He didn't seem like, a, I, I've never met him. Yeah, sure, never yeah, him. For sure. He didn't seem like he was a nice guy. Or, or at least yeah. a lot of these guys, especially in that era, and I covered a lot of NHL, a lot of the guys in that era, they, the money got really quick and they got, so huge so fast they just became jerk egotistical yeah and just really difficult to deal with they didn't need you and they knew it and uh he struck me as one of those guys that and then and then you see him 10 years after he retired he'd probably be so ecstatic to tell a war story or two to you over a beer and that's the thing about being being ra what you know who was difficult to deal with in game seven for the yankees who johnny damon yes (laughs) <laughs> who's so, going to be a future Yankee? 
But man, yeah. he scalded us, man. Holy crow. He finally well, came mean, out. Johnny Damon's coming out party, game seven. Six RBI, grand slam, two run home run. Like he just kept, he just kept, he was like this, dude. Every and time base, he came up. And I always think of, uh, and you know, Ortiz also had a two run home run in the game, but I always think of Moneyball when um, Jonah Hill talks to Billy Bean, played by Brad Pitt, and said, you know, is Johnny Damon worth the five million the Sox are paying him? No. And he talked about it. And Damon still stews about it to this day, about he basically said he, you know, he had an okay glove, average arm, whatever. I think the Red Sox paid all that money to Damon for that moment in game seven. Like he could have hit 180 the rest of the time and it did not matter because yeah. in the game he took pressure a little bit of pressure off of Ortiz to be the hero and he just broke the game open and broke their backs. And even though Ortiz Johnny, Damon, Johnny Damon was a really great ball player for like six or seven years. He really yeah. was. He was a, he was a really good He's a terrible hitter who had no arm. Like his, no arm. His, his hitting his swing is terrible and his arm was weak, but he was a gamer and he could he, hit He made contact. Clutch. He made contact. I love I feel like he was like, he was like a lo, he was like a low rent Brett Gardner. You know what I mean? Like Come on, he's better than Brett Gardner. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Greg Gardner's way better than him. He's still playing. Greg Gardner's got like 14 years or something. Oh, he's still an annoying. He came to the Yankees and his his arm got worse. Johnny Damon is a winner. Oh, he's a great player. I love I love Johnny Damon. his arm got worse. It was like he could he could he couldn't throw anymore when he came to the Yankees. I felt like it it continues to overpay for people who did great things for us. He did the same thing with Jacoby Ellsbury. Look, even we talked about Tony Clark back in the day. You took him off our scrap heap too. He took Clemens off twice removed from our scrap heap. So you know what Johnny Damon did do? He had an awesome stolen base in the 2009 World Series. He had a he popped up and then just took off and just. <laughs> so do you I mean what time did you watch this whole game? Game seven. Uh, you know, I I did watch the whole game, but I mean, I knew we were I knew we were done. I literally knew we were done. Like, it was like, it it was it was it was so hard. You know, the only other harder game to watch for me was the two thousand one World Series when Rivera threw the ball away, and then Womack got the hit, and then it was like you know, and then Luis uh, Gonzalez hit the bleeder to the center field. Like that was like those two games, that game and this game. But that game, I had like hope. This game, it was like, Nothing. like right out of the gates, I was like, oh my god, we're screwed. So the, the final score is ten three. The Red Sox complete the greatest comeback in the history of the postseason in baseball. Down, basically losing game four, about to get swept, and come back and they end up sweeping the World Series. So they end up winning eight games in a row. And before we say goodbye and put a ribbon and move on. To what happened to the ball? Does Doug McCavage still have the ball? Whatever happened to the ball? I think he eventually gave it up, but I remember he held on to it for a long time, and I don't know if he was looking for money or whatever. It. He might have sold it, but I, I remember how it was a huge story in Boston that he held on to that ball. But as you know, as we recap what really was perhaps the greatest series in the history of baseball, you on the losing end, me finally on the winning end. What's your final takeaway after doing this deep dive, after researching this and rewatching all the games? What What is your final sort of takeaway? I would have to say that um, game 
that game five energy that I saw was pretty ridiculous. I mean, game four is game four, but the game five energy that I, when I watched the game back in Fenway, it was like, it, like I've been to Yankee stadium when they've done big things. I've been there for no hitters. And like, it's just like Jess said last, last episode, there's energy when there's, it's something about baseball. You can change the tide. You can change momentum sports in general, but baseball, it's something there's so many, when you get that thing rolling, it gets rolling. And it's like nothing else. Like baseball is such a streaky sport. And I just, I just, you know, you could just, they just got that thing. They had it going, dude. That was it. There are two, two things I take away from it. One is, how little pieces of circumstance can dictate the outcome. You know, whether it's Dave Roberts literally being safe by three inches or Tony Clark missing out a home run or in, in the park double that could have yeah. won the series. Like, all these little things that happened that could have gone the other way. And the other thing is, to be honest, after 2003, I truly, and I mean this with all sincerity, I never thought the Red Sox would ever, A, beat the Yankees in a series and be ever win the World Series. I truly thought that that would never happen. So it really, and I say this again, it wasn't until the A-Rod slapped the glove on Arroyo that I was like, this maybe I can believe. It took that long for me. Like my wife believed much earlier than that. I did not truly buy in until that moment. I would say, I I would say if, I I would say that would be the deciding factor, but looking back at it, the energy was pretty crazy in game five, but yes, definitely the, the, like we talked about in this episode already, that was a desperation move where you got, it was almost like, Oh man, we're down. Now we got to start cheating, tie the shoelaces together, you know? Seriously. And this uh, was one of the greatest things to watch on television in the modern era for John Senecal. I'm Brian Shack, and this is fan base, a deep dive into the greatest rivalry in sports episode five. The rest. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.